For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi and welcome to The Rock Podcast. Do you ever wish you had more wisdom? Well, the resources are there. It's just a question of whether we are making good use of them. Let's join Pastor Ross now with the introduction to the book of Proverbs entitled, Becoming Wise. Alrighty, let's get ready to start. Who's ready to wise up? Amen. We have entitled this series through Proverbs, Wise Up, because it's all about gaining wisdom. By a show of hands, who here needs some heavenly wisdom? Oh, you are in the right place, as we're going to start talking about that even tonight after we ask the Lord for his blessing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's so good to just even to continue to call on your name and sense your nearness, Lord, because we need you. We need you. I need your help, Lord, to present the truth that you've placed in your word and upon my heart and mind. And, and we need your help to hear your voice and to put these truths into practice. So help us, Lord. We can do nothing without you, uh, but everything with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, smart people can do and have done uh, very dumb things. And so uh, just because people have uh, some intelligence, right, or they, they know a lot of stuff, or, or even that they're religious and they know the Lord, that doesn't mean they're exempt from playing the fool. The book of Proverbs is really all about helping us to avoid that sad lot in life called being a fool or, or, or living in folly. Um, there are daily examples of those who neglect the wisdom of uh, the word of God and uh, live in the wisdom of man uh, daily. I started to make a list of smart people who do dumb things. And, and you know what? I, I just whited it all out because uh, it was so depressing and, 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 and it was so defiling, you know? So I didn't want to start the service. Some of you have just eaten dinner, and, you know, I didn't want to start the list. I mean, you could know right where my mind would go. All you have to do is watch the news, and boom, boom, boom. It's like smart, dumb, smart, dumb. An intelligent person. How can you do something like that? So, you know, I'll just make general statements. You know, political leaders, where do you begin with that? Do you know how smart and well-educated and skilled they are? And yet, they'll carry on a clandestine uh, affair. Uh, how about these brilliant uh, businessmen and women, right? They're, they're very, very smart. And yet, somehow, they do the foolish thing of, of, of embezzling or committing fraud. Or how about school teachers, you know? I, who can't figure out how to teach themselves what's appropriate and not appropriate with uh, students or in their, in their classrooms. Uh, it's really a sad uh, place out there. And we can learn a lot. Wasn't it Yogi uh, Berra, they called him, right? The, the uh, coach and the uh, baseball player. He always had a proverb, you know. And so he'd say something like, you can learn a lot by watching or you can learn a lot by seeing, or you see a lot by watching, you know, those kinds of things. Like, it makes sense. Just watch the news and, and don't do what they're doing because that's foolish, and it ends in, in heartache. And so uh, when they're caught, you know, which nine times out of ten uh, in this life, ten times out of ten in the life to come, uh, and that always happens, uh, but then their lives are torn apart and their shame instead of honor. Marriages are wrecked and families uh, torn up and uh, careers destroyed and freedom, personal freedom is, is sacrificed uh, as they're arrested for their bad deeds. And, and you know, uh, here's what Proverbs 5 has to say. At the end of your life, you will groan 
when your flesh and your body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to their instruction or wisdom, really. And we're going to find out that those words there really unpack what it means to have godly wisdom. And so, yes, they have knowledge. And yes, a lot of people have training or giftedness, but they're lacking what the Bible is going to call uh, wisdom. It's all about wisdom. And it's not rocket science. And it's not anything too difficult for anybody in this room. Because wisdom, as we're going to see, calls out in public squares. You always, when you're reading the Proverbs, you will see that wisdom is right at everybody's reach. And it's all, there's always a choice. You have wisdom calling, turn in, turn in, turn in here. At the place where the town uh, 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 streets or downtown intersect, where all the people are all the time, wisdom is always right there saying, hey, right here. It is not out of your reach. And you have the woman, Folly, who's right next to her saying, hey, over here, over here, over here. And so the Bible's going to, to put them next to each other and just say, it's all about making the right choice uh, when you uh, have that opportunity. So uh, really, uh, wisdom is so much more than just avoiding this, this, this gigantic moral blunder, right? So biblical wisdom, we're going to find out, is about everyday life, ordinary people living ordinary circumstances and, and needing God's take on it and, so that we can live a joy-filled, productive uh, life. Like, you know, it's not just <clears throat> avoiding the, the gigantic temptations in life that we've been mentioning, but, you know, how do I deal with a difficult person? Or uh, how, sh- how should I do my job and my work? And uh, how do I handle my finances? And should I co-sign for that loan? And, and what do I do when, when somebody's talking too much? Or how about the guy who comes too often and spends too much time in my home? Uh, what do I do about those things? And you're laughing, but those are the issues that you know you do have We have Genesis that tells us how the world was created. We have the prophets to inspire us, right? Uh, uh, And we have the gospels to tell us all about Jesus. But where do we have the information about, you know, those little nuances in life that really make or break or hinder or help our lives to go on smoothly and effectively? Well, that's where the book of Proverbs carves out a little niche uh, for us to find the wisdom, everyday wisdom. I love the book of Proverbs. It's probably my favorite book outside of the obvious, uh, you know, the the scriptures that talk about Jesus and, and Romans and all of that. But Proverbs, man, I've been reading a proverb of a day for my, since my beginning of my Christian life. I heard that Billy Graham did that, and I just thought that's probably a good thing (laughs) to follow that example. Uh, There are 31 chapters, so it's really nice the day of the month that it is, you know, so to to peruse through uh, Proverbs 16 today would make uh, sense, and it's just easy, and you just read it, it takes five or 10 minutes, and it's just that that kind of thinking can rub off and get inside of you. And then when you need it, when you're in a moment of decision, you'll just think more wisely because it's been downloaded in there. And so that's just the beauty of this uh, book of Proverbs. Now, uh, what is wisdom? You know, let's just talk a little bit before we dive in. We're only going to get to six verses because I'm going intro- I'm introducing the book, Wisdom and what Proverbs is all about. And so uh, we're only going to get to six verses here in the chapter. But what is wisdom? Well, wisdom really means skillful. But when it's talked about here in the book of Proverbs, it it means to be successful and skillful in one's relationships and responsibilities. This is, by the way, Roy Zuck. He is a a well-known Bible scholar and commentator. He says, wisdom means skillful and successful 
being successful in one's relationships and responsibilities, observing and following the creator's principles of order in the moral universe. So in other words, if I were to simplify that, I would say knowing God's take on every situation and doing it and following through and acting accordingly, acting or not acting accordingly. And so why is the book of Proverbs uh, important? Well, first of all, we could know how God created the world and we could understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Gospels, and know about Christ coming back and we can know a lot of stuff as Christians and still mess our lives up. And so that is why that missing ingredient that turns knowledge and facts into practical common sense uh, actions that bring blessings and gives us the ability uh, to live life unhindered by what the world thinks or how the world does things or our natural own broken in, um, inclinations. Uh, so what do we have before us now as we take a look at the book of Proverbs? Well, you've got God dedicates about a thousand verses to help us have this kind of heavenly wisdom to turn the simple into uh, people who are wise. Uh, and really, it's to see past the surface things of life, which really is the problem. Um, to not be fooled by the world's take or our natural inclinations or our human feelings or understandings, but to have, uh, as James puts it, uh, wisdom that comes down from heaven as opposed to the earthly wisdom which James calls through the Holy Spirit devilish or demonic. So the wisdom of this world and earth, the Bible says, comes from below. And those who are inspired by that kind of wisdom uh, reap the consequences, the hurtful destruction and all of that. And you see a good deal of that in the Proverbs. And so, so here's what we keep in mind. Uh, King Solomon is the main character, and I'm going to talk about him in a bit. But really, King Jesus is the one who's speaking through him because in Christ are all the hidden uh, treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so if there is anything wise or uh, good to know, it's hidden in Christ, and Christ has revealed it. He's a revealer. He is for us. He wants you and me to succeed. He's our, our cheerleader, man. He, he is in love with us, and he wants us to not be bogged down by doing dumb things the way the world does it or the way that our sinful, broken, insecure hearts tell us that we should live. Instead, he wants to guide us through. He wants to be our life coach. And so he's used King Solomon, and King Solomon collected some sayings, and I'm going to talk about that, uh, to be this place where we can come and, and read and think and go deeper and let it affect the way that we live. And how sad to be a Christian on your way to heaven with the Holy Spirit on board and do dumb stuff that, that, that makes your life just a burden, not only to you but, and, and not very useful to God, but a burden to others as well because you're not living wisely. It's not out of reach. It just takes a little bit of work. And that's why it's so rare to find somebody who's very, very wise. Because there's some effort and some humility involved. And we're going to talk about that. But how wonderful to be a Christian and have a handbook right there that you could read every day and just get as smart as King Solomon and as wise as Christ because he's the one ultimately who's speaking and say, hey, I've got this little section for you. And if you read and understand and meditate on it, you'll do life differently. And as a result, you'll be doing it heaven's way and you will be so much more <laughs> fulfilled and blessed. And so it begins here, Proverbs 1.1. This says, take a look at it. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Well, we need to pause there because, as I told you, we're only going to make it to verse 6. But here in verse 1, you have the what and the who. 
And then in verses two through six, you're going to have the why. And that's going to finish our reflection for tonight. So the what and the who right here before you. The what is the Proverbs. Okay, well, the Proverbs don't begin, incidentally, until chapter 10. Did you know that? Yeah, one, chapters one through nine are really an introduction. We're going to talk about that. But Solomon's Proverbs, they start in chapter 10, and that's the, the, the buckshot of all of those uh, Proverbs coming at you uh, left and right. Now, the word proverb uh, is mashal, and it means likeness, which means sort of like it's a, an example. It's like a little two-sentence parable. It's a model. It's an illustration of some truth. And, and, and there's a variety of ways that those things are compared and contrasted. In other words, the likeness part means, you know, uh, when you do this, it's like that, right? So there's a picture, you know, you see the fool stumbling into the, into the pit that he dug for somebody else. So, so we get that's a beautiful little parable. So it's like, right? It's, there's a likeness there. In other words, when you're out to get somebody, just watch out because you're digging a hole from him, for him or her and you're going to fall into it. Well, that's a beautiful, perfect example of, of what a proverb is. You don't have to, 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 to tell the story of that. You could just paint this beautiful picture of some guy going, whoops, and then falls into it himself. It's not very happy or funny when one falls into one's own hole that we have dug. Uh, and so uh, the, uh, the, in English, a little bit different than a proverb in the Bible. In English, it's a short, pithy little saying, right? That kind of uh, catches conventional practical wisdom, sort of like a stitch in time saves nine. You know, that's a nice little way of saying, look, if you take care of the problem right away when it's little, because if you take care of that one little stitch uh, right away, then it'll save you when it's torn and down the line when you're going to have to put in nine stitches, right? And so, and so the early bird catches the worm. There's a ton of these things, and, and that's self-explanatory there. There are English proverbs, uh, secular proverbs. They capture truth. They're memorable. They're easy to recall. And, and they bring insight, or they entertain us, and they make us laugh. And so we keep them around. Like life is a box. Is li life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? And so we like that. How about this one? Flies don't enter into a mouth that is closed. One other reason to keep <laughs> things uh, quiet there. Or, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. You know, well, uh, we all, we like that one because we kind of know what it means. But actually, now here's the difference between an English secular uh, proverb and a Hebrew biblical proverb is, is that the Hebrew proverb is written in-house for believers, not for the world. In fact, they're always showing, it's always showing, here's how the world does things. It's sort of like my kids here. This is how my kids live. And, and they don't make sense to unbelievers anyway, nor do they have the capability of following through with them. Uh, oh yeah, you're gonna tell a, a, an angry guy, you know, he's mad he's, and he's telling you what his problem is and I, why, why I oughta, and you tell him, listen, a gentle answer turns away wrath. <laughs> you know, you know what? You're going to end up with some wrath right there for saying that to him. You know, so the difference is, first of all, that it's written for us. And, and second of all, that they're, they're about relationship with God. They're, they're morally inclined, right? And so uh, and, and, and the, the ones in the world, if they're good ones, they usually are reflecting a biblical truth without even knowing it. Or somebody just summed up a biblical one, you know, and uh, that's why it's good. But most of them, you know, even no good deed goes unpunished, that's not true. It's in God's economy, no good deed goes unrewarded. Just the opposite, right? 
And there's all kinds of things. He who dies with the most toys wins. I don't think so. <laughs> Fight fire with fire. No, 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 no. That's a no-no. In, in, right? So God says, fight fire with prayer. Uh, if he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And do not gloat when he stumbles. You see, this, these are all backwards to the world, but uh, that's the way it is. It's an upside-down kingdom. And so that's sort of the difference with mashal is for the people of God uh, the Proverbs, right? And so this is the what. And let me tell you how it's, I've already alluded to it, but one chapters one through nine uh, introduce the Proverbs and it's really selling you on the Proverbs. It's telling you why you need to pay attention to what's coming in chapter 10. But it's wisdom about the wisdom. So one through nine is filled with, with, with wisdom, Right? On its way to the Proverbs. It's not quite the Proverbs yet because they're long, lengthy passages uh, that are interwoven uh, like that. And so uh, just if you're taking notes and you come to expect a little bit of that here, uh, chapters 1 through 9 introduce. And then chapters 10 through 22 are the collection of Solomon's own Proverbs that he penned. And then 23 and 24 are called, another section called 30 Sayings of the Wise. And we're going to talk about that. And then uh, chapters 25 through 29 um, uh, continue with Solomon, uh, more of Solomon's uh, work. And then chapters 30, the words of a dude called Agur, and we're going to check him out. And then 31, that famous chapter, 31 is the words of King Lemuel that his mom taught him. That's nice. That's going to be nice. So that's how... The collection, really, so what, what, it's called Solomon, Solomon's Proverbs, right? He's the main author and the most famous one, and he's the chief editor, and therefore they are the Proverbs uh, of Solomon. Pearls of wisdom for navigating your life successfully by God's wisdom, uh, a wisdom that comes from heaven. Now, who's the who? What's the who? Well, it's King David's son, by Bathsheba. By Bathsheba. Bathsheba's his mama. Now, what happened there? Well, they repented after the first boy, uh, conceived through adultery, uh, died in infancy. And David took it the way probably it was intended. You know what? There's judgment there. And yeah, a lot of people suffer for our uh, sins and disobedience. And in this case, uh, a, a boy remains in heaven waiting for him. As David said, I will go and see him. He's not coming back here. Um, and so after that, they repented and the Lord blessed them with a child to replace the one that was taken away. And his name was Jedediah. Now, God said, I want to call him Jedediah to comfort mom and dad because Jedediah means loved by God. And, and God had a special love for this baby, uh, probably because he knew that through Solomon and this new baby will come Jesus, the Messiah, the God-man. And so uh, the Lord really said, you know, call him Jedediah, but God does this. He gives spiritually significant names to people in the Bible. For example, Jesus is called Emmanuel, right? So people say, well, why does it say, and you shall call his name Emmanuel? Well, that's his spiritually significant name, God with us. That in Jesus, you've got God, and God is with us, you see? And so in this case, Solomon's got a couple names, and it's not uncommon. So Jedediah, Jed was his name, and um, Solomon means peaceable. At long last, mom and dad had peace. God had restored them, let them sense his good pleasure again in their hearts, and then in their arms, a baby. And so they named him Peaceable Solomon. And, and, and all, this guy just was like no other king in Israel except his father. In fact, some would argue that Solomon 
was greater than David in some ways. Uh, Israel was never, Israel was just 10 times the size of its influence. The glory of Israel was uh, never more than under King Solomon. The peace, they were at peace. Uh, people were coming from all parts of the world to hear Solomon. He built the glorious temple that still, the walls from his hands are still there in places. And uh, uh, just very exciting. He also built this wonderful palace there and he just built up Jerusalem. Just the splendor there, you can read about in 1 Kings chapter 10. Um, uh, but where did it all start for Solomon? Uh, well, it started when the Lord appeared to him in 1 Kings chapter 3 and said, make a wish. Wow. I mean, we dream and fantasize and tell stories and fairy tales about some, you know, you rub this lamp and out comes this magic power, you know, and who can give you whatever you want and says, make a wish. But this is God of the universe who's asking somebody who was seeking him at the time and said, hey, I'm the Lord, make a wish. Tell me what you want. And so here's what, he said. Here's what happened. He said, uh, now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child. He was a man, full-grown man, but he's saying, I, I'm, I feel like a little kid. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Uh, humility. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people, a love for God's people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant uh, a discerning heart because I don't have one humility, to govern your people, other-centeredness, to distinguish between right and wrong so that your work will prosper. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Honor to God. Well, God just couldn't resist that. And God said, hey, I, I like that. He says, I'm gonna give you that wisdom. There'll be nobody smarter on the whole planet than you ever. Wow. And since you, you didn't ask that I would wipe out all your enemies or give you a million dollars or whatever, you know, I'm going to do that too. So I'm going to give you all of those other things that you could ask me for because you just asked me the right thing. And then let's, uh, the next verse here. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand of the seashore. You know how many little grains of sand there are in this world? There are a lot. Just think about it. How deep do you want to go, too? And how many square miles? That's smart. That is smart. That's like crazy smart. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people in the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. And by the way, in the original, it lists the names, but, you know, I took them out. Uh, he was wiser than anybody else. Oh, that's where the names are. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. Verse 32, he spoke 3,000 Proverbs. We only get 930 of them because the Holy Spirit said, here are 930 that most of you use all of the, all of the time, right? So he spoke 3,000 Proverbs and he was a musician too, his songs. He was a composer, numbered 1,005. And so we do have a song. We have a psalm or two in the Psalms by Solomon. He spoke about plant life and the cedars of Lebanon to the hyssop, it's a plant that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. He just would get downloaded uh, with the scientific understanding of the world as well as how to live morally and right for God. So from all nations, people from all, all is a big word there, <laughs> from all nations, all nations, all then known nations were sending delegates. Go hear this guy. Go ask him questions. So the gospel was going out to the world because they'd ask and he'd say, well, the Lord, the Lord, because what does he say? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. You gotta know the Lord. So from all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. And so... So yeah, the Proverbs of, of Solomon, son of David, king 
of Israel. Just unbelievable. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. When's the last time you checked out that book of Proverbs? That would be like trying to listen to, to how to live your life from the book of Proverbs, from Solomon, who was smarter than anybody ever on the face of the earth or ever shall be, right? Would be like taking a golf lesson, you know, hey, how's my swing from Arnold Palmer or, you know, Jack Nicklaus or whatever. You know, it's like getting tips if you're into cooking or baking, from Julia Child, having her over and spend a few hours with Julia. Am I doing this pastry right thing? You know, I don't know. She's into baking, right? Or she was, but she was around. <laughs> All right, nobody's happy tonight. That's okay. <laughs> Y'all need the book of Proverbs because a happy heart is good medicine. <laughs> I like that one myself. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, oh, the needless pain we bear and what we could be gaining, all because we're too lazy, too lazy or too distracted to care, to dig deep into, he says, look, and I got the smartest guy in the world telling you how to live your life every day, down to the smallest details, to the big bomb things. It's all right there. Just get into it and listen to it, meditate on it. So Solomon, the greatest king next to David, he writes and catalogs a portion of his 3,000 proverbs and he writes some love songs. He wrote a Song of Solomon about his first wife. That's his first wife, the Song of Solomon. That's the wife he should have kept his vows to because in the end, he writes Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes, as he would know through experience, is life is meaningless without proper relationship to God. And he learned that the hard way because he didn't follow his own wisdom. And this is the part that I'll just kick you upside of the head, is that you can have wisdom and you can be telling other people what to be doing, right? And you yourself have an inability to apply it. It's like the cobbler's son has no shoes kind of thing. Or, or you know, the, a great guitar player has, a, has kids who never picked up the guitar. And, yet, you know, my dad was a, a professional jazz musician. He was on Broadway. He met my, my mother on Broadway. My mother was a tap dancing acrobatic uh, uh, dancer in the show in the Broadway shows, and my father was a musician. Uh, my mother did not teach my sister or us about uh, acrobatics. She held a record for the most uh, flip flops, back flips on a racetrack <laughs> once, right? But but she didn't teach us how to do that. And why? She just said every time she 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 put the rope around our our middles and she tried to get us to do a flip flop. It's a back flip, you know. And she was just it just. When it's in you and it's your kid, there's just the kind of thing that makes it hard sometimes. And, and it kind of goes to uh, Paul the Apostle saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, I discipline my body rather harshly. I'm tough on myself because my nightmare is that after I preach to others, that I myself disqualified for the reward. Why? Because I'm not living, practicing what I'm preaching to others. And Solomon, oh man, he had a thing for women. You know, what, what pretty girl did he not marry? I mean, he, he married, he had one for every day for four years. You know, it's just terrible. And they led his heart astray because they were foreigners and they worshiped this God and that God. And so they said, Solomon, can we just please put a little altar for our God up here and all of that? And he did it. And he started worshiping alongside his wives. And the Lord, that was the beginning of the end of Israel. Because the Israelites, culpable, they followed him, right? So they're to blame as well, but he led them. So not very good. 
So that's the what, the Proverbs. That's the who, the, the, the writer and editor-in-chief, King Solomon. Now the why. And so just a few verses here to finish up. Here's the why is in verse 2. It's a summary statement. And then 3, 4, 5, and 6 unpack that idea. All right? So for the attaining of wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight. And now here's, let's unpack that. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and the riddles of the wise. And so now we've got the why. It's a twofold purpose, really. It's not really fivefold or sixfold. Uh, they're really saying the same thing as I just kind of alluded to. The twofold purpose, and, and, and it, in verse two, it doesn't say these English words, but this is what, the, what it means, okay? There are two things the Proverbs are trying to do to you and to me. They're ultimately trying to develop deep character and straight thinking. That's what, uh, that's what wisdom and discipline in the Hebrew will bring uh, the connotation of. Deep character, let's talk about that first, for attaining wisdom. So wisdom here is skillfulness. It just means skillfulness. Uh, for example, those craftsmen who uh, were... Uh, uh, enlisted by the Holy Spirit to build and to create and design the tabernacle. They were called uh, wise men. They were wise in their craft. And so skill, skillful in this sense means skilled at life, skilled in relationships, skilled in, in moral dilemmas, skilled in when you have a right and a left and, and you have to go right or left. You're skilled at it. You're like, oh, it's, it's kind of like a drone goes off and you get, the, uh, take, get, you get a picture from above outside of your narrow little tunnel vision of what God thinks about what's, what's going on. So you're skilled. You're skilled at, at resolving conflict and not making things worse, but better, stronger marriage. You're just, you're skilled. When somebody says something unreasonable, or, or, or offends you in a petty way, you're skilled and you know it's to my glory to overlook that instead of calling them out on the carpet every time. Proverbs 17, 9. You see, all of these ways that just get a hold of you uh, and make you skillful. And then the next word is discipline. So uh, the wise know what the situation calls for and skillfully carries it out. And here's how they do it. Number two is discipline. So those are the two purposes of Proverbs. The entire book is to get you to, to live skillfully by heaven's uh, uh, insights and through the correction, the constant correction of the word of God and God in your life. That word discipline means to have been corrected over time consistently. So the purpose of making you wise is achieved through correction, constant correction. And this is so important if we're going to ever be wise. Now, I have written down here, aha, because now I know why heavenly wisdom is so rare to find in me and in others. It's because of the D word there, discipline. And it means that, as I've said, to, to embrace and open up to correction. You, the way that you and I will get wise is that we can continually always seeking and wanting and loving and desiring God to correct us. And the way God corrects us is iron sharpens iron in the congregation through people using their grace gifts, reading the Bible, you reading your Bible, through the pastor's mouth, through a friend who, 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 who uh, you know, an enemy multiplies kisses, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. Another proverb. 
but you've got to love it. You've got to want that. And this is the number one reason all the commentators say, there you go. That's why we're lacking in wisdom, because we don't want the process. We don't like the process. You know, there's nobody here who's waiting to go home, sit down, have a little bite to eat, and, and ask your spouse or significant other, whoever's sitting there, you know, honey, tell me, where are some areas I can improve? What am I not doing right? You know, I made the mistake once. It wasn't a mistake, but it felt like a mistake. <laughs> At the time, I don't know if my kids never remember anything that, I've, that I say up here. They're like, I don't remember that. But anyway, I do, especially this one time. I was reading a parenting book, and it suggested that you sit down and ask your kids to give you a report card. <laughs> a report card on things, you know. You, you know, Dad, you, you know, all the lists. You know, I feel loved or uh, we have fun in our family and, and you have a report card and they graded it. And I got like a B minus in something and I just was, what? What do you mean a B minus? You know, I might have even gotten a C, you know? Uh, you know, I know I didn't get an F unless it was a certain son who, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> they were little when it was happening. Who enjoys that? Nobody. You think you do. You think you do. It sounded good in the book. And it did. It sounded like, whoa, that's so cool, you know? And I can't wait to tell people that I did it, you know? Because I'm such a cool dad, you know? But as soon as I got that B minus, I'm like, what? And it was in an area that I remember. I remember it. It was in an area that I really was trying like, oh, that's my thing, you know? But what it showed me was so good. What it showed me is that their perception of what I'm thinking, oh, man, this is happening. It's not connecting there, right? And so this is the beauty of Proverbs, is that we go in, we have to have the humility, embrace yourself for the report card. And it's not going to be a B minus. It's going to be D's and F's, right? And, and, and we're going to have to be able to say, okay, thank you for that discipline and that correction. Listen to this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is Stupid. That's what it says in the Bible. And I went down all the versions of the Bible. There's a plenty of them. And they're all stupid, 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 stupid. <laughs> and so I just thought, I'm going to have to say it. You know? And then, you know, some mom will come up to me and say, in my house, we didn't say stupid. Well, in God's house, he does. <laughs> and he says, whoever loves discipline or correction to love it, Oh, how is that ever going to happen? I, oh, oh, no. Huh. People who you have to correct sometimes, it's like the end of the world. Even if you say just a little bitty nothing thing, they come apart. Oh, listen. Sometimes it's like I, I, I learned my lesson. I'll never do that again because it caused so much angst and trouble and pain and suffering. God help you, the one who re brings a rebuke in love to somebody who is immature and closed and doesn't want to hear it because they are not only not going to hear it, they are going to get angry. And when they get angry and get their feelers hurt, they're going to strike back. How dare you say, I need to correct that? Well, now I'm going to slander you. Well, that John, or he thinks this and that and the other thing. We still have to do it. Those who disregard discipline despise themselves, Proverbs 15 and 32. But the one who heeds correction gains understanding. And this, to me, was the point of the passage tonight to reflect upon. If you want to get wise, if you want to do things God's way, if you want your sailboat just cutting across the sea, unhindered by all your complications because you've done something or said something that was inappropriate or stupid, right? Uh, then you're going to have to love being corrected. And yes, it would help if those who are correcting us did it with love and diplomacy and tact. That would help us, right? 
But still, it's not necessary. We still have to love it and listen to it. So uh, a nice segue to three and four. Proverbs are addressed to the simple. You're never gonna get this wisdom if we don't get a couple things straight. One is, is that we get F's and D's and we're in need to be corrected. And two is that God considers us simple, born simple. The word there throughout the Proverbs, when he says, listen, simple ones, is for every one of us. So we have to humble ourselves and say, I don't have all the answers. The word simple, interesting, means open in the Hebrew. What does that mean? It means you haven't rooted down to any one conviction. And so you're open. So uh, when right and left come up, instead of going right, like the Bible says, you're still open. Maybe I should go left, you know? You're not committed. And that's why the Bible says, how long, oh, simple ones, will you love your simple ways? You see, because it's a choice to say, I know I'm simple, I know I'm open, I know I'm not committed, but I like that. It gives me some wiggle room. Right, So if you want your wiggle room, you'll have your wiggle room, but you're not going to be wise. God's way. Because you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to uh, have, com- uh, you're going to have to commit is what I'm trying to say. And, and also, uh, the, it, the word also means to, not, to be naive and, and to not to know something. So we're going to have to just say great humility is required um, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. Do you think of yourself this way as sometimes foolish, broken, undone, unraveled, incomplete, inadequate? That's how the Apostle Paul, I got over this a long time ago. The, the Apostle Paul, at the beginning days of Bible college when I was 20 years old, I was reading and the Apostle Paul was saying things like, nothing good lives in me. And who's adequate for anything? I'm inadequate. The Apostle Paul was so at home with his own brokenness and depravity that it it put a mindset in me that if Paul Paul the Apostle can be so messed up and so out of order and so kind of empty and just filled with just brokenness, then me too. That's okay, because then God probably expects and knows that that's who I am and, and why I need him so much, right? So it's the person who who isn't at home with the fact of their own depravity that will never be wise. The person who is at home and says, I'm empty, I, I, I'm stupid, I am. I mean, I left to myself, anybody left to themselves will never be wise. The only way to get God's wisdom inside you is to humble yourself and say, I'm broken, I say stupid things, I do dumb things because I think dumb things. And I'm, I want you to fill me, God, because if you don't, I'm going to continue to do this. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, you will never make yourself feel that you are a simple one because there is a mechanism in you as a result of sin that you will always be defending against every accusation. We are all on very good terms with ourselves. And we can always put, I like that. (laughs) Me and me, we're friends. (laughs) We are all on very good terms with ourselves and we can always put up a good case for ourselves. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that we're sinners, we will never do it. There is only one way to know that we are sinners and broken and simple and that is to have some dim, glimmering conception of God. Only God can shine the light in that dark heart and convince us, whoa, that's scary. So many people like New Age people will say to me when I engage them in the gospel, just, you know, I looked within, look within, you know? And, and I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I tell them, I looked within and got freaked out. (laughs) I looked within and I found Jesus, you know, not in there. I had to get him in there by crying out to God because inside there's nothing but dead men's bones. 
and other unclean and ugly nastiness. Oh, my word. You remember the, the church father who said, I told you about this before. He said, let me get this right. He said, I would rather be thrown into a swamp with a chain around my neck, chained to a, to a piece of concrete and thrown into a swamp than for anybody to know the thoughts of my heart. And he's a good guy. That's what makes you a good guy is that you know what you are without Christ. That's how we're gonna get wised up here is that we realize we're going in and we're saying, God, give us some report cards in, in, in areas of money, human sexuality, uh, uh, relationships, all kinds of things, everything you can imagine. You can go on websites, themes in Proverbs. There's 200. There's a lot. We're not gonna go through all the themes, but the major ones are the big ones that we uh, struggle with. How blessed are we? Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 12, the queen of Sheba, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And Jesus turns and says, guess what, guys? Someone greater than Solomon is here. Our Lord Jesus stands ready and by us. It says, come to me every day, moment by moment, and I'll pour into you the wisdom that you need. Greater than King Solomon. Of course, that's Jesus' voice through King Solomon. But, but Jesus is alive and well and able to take King Solomon's words penned, what? 900 years before Bethlehem. That makes it about 3,000 years ago. And Jesus, the living Jesus, can take those words and apply them today, specifically for where we need to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your great love, your kindness, and your beautiful wisdom from heaven above that's pure and peaceable and filled with good fruit. And we want to uh, replicate that kind of life. We want to live wisely, and it's all by your grace and goodness. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.